Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Having yeah, this is the Black Country Blokes, Tuna Fat. We make Kev Dylan, Craig Pinches, and we're once again joined by my very good friend, Marcus Leonard. Now, Marcus has been on twice before, once before, first, uh, well, before the pandemic, second time for the first lockdown, and he joins us almost 12 months on from the second time. And Marcus works within the mental health industry within Black Country, and he's going to be giving us some insights. I mean, how the last 12 months has been for the public and for him himself. And then we're going to have lots of different conversations. We're talking about some things off camera. So, Marcus, first of all, can you explain your job role, please? Yeah. Um, I work in, I work for the Black Country um, Healthcare, uh, so the NHS, and that's in the Black Country. I'm a big fan of the Black Country. I think the people are, as you can tell by my accent, I'm a northerner and I'm cheap. There's no getting away from it. Um, but um, I, I, I worked for the Black Country, well, what was Dudley and Warsaw Mental Health Service after um, after I'd been doing some uh, agency work, came in to help and uh, really liked. I, I worked in London, worked overseas, worked um, on the South Coast, worked in Manchester. Worked, apart from much further than Scotland, I've worked in lots of regions around the country came to um came to black country at dudley particularly and and i felt very different about the place i felt uh felt the people were warm um and, and despite its difficulties something incredibly different and, and certainly with the people i work with who were just fabulous it's like coming home so took a full-time job and now i help in the what's called the iat um uh team and and IAPT is a is a is a, a division within the NHS and it's about uh, if you like things like applied psychology or talking therapies where we help people with depression and anxiety um but we do it in a in a way which is more like a business and we do that and I don't say that to the detriment of patients we do that because mental health has become so prolific and we need to get through people quickly uh, traditionally mental health has, has there's been a slow pace to it um, and we do our best to monitor wait lists and keep people moving through and IAPT helps with this to some degree and, uh, um, and so we, we we try and get to as many people as we can with mild to moderate mental health difficulties to stop them getting any worse to stop them progressing into a position where the mental health really starts to affect their well-being their physical well-being and the well-being of the people around them. So well, that's, so right. that's when you when when yeah. you like they've uh, brought out something recently, haven't they? Recently-ish, is it the silver cloud just to get you on the program so you're not feeling like you're being ignored? Yeah. So in 2018, it came from uh, the central uh, wing of the of the NHS who who advise on where's a good direction to go next. Um, again, right the way, what, one of the great things about the uh, Black Country and what was Dudley Walsall, the senior team that I worked for, the directors, the chief exec, the commissioners, there's a great group of people. And when you get that line right through, it's very easy to get what's good for the public. You, you're, not, you're not fighting any politics or, um, or, or political uh, moves. You've just got a, a real good group of people that are genuinely invested in what's good for the community. So when this came about, that there were there was a an opportunity to improve via a digital strategy. So a bit like getting an app on your phone, but more elaborate than that. Um, then it was very easy to um, to encourage and convince the directors, the executives, the commissioners, and bring that into the black country. It's my job now, falls to me, to make sure we get as many people onto that and using it as possible so that when people uh, find that talking therapies isn't convenient enough for them, 
um, with childcare, with with work patterns, with because traditionally, if you if you were to take an hour a week, you can go to the dentist once and it's a pain, isn't it? But if you got to go to an appointment every week for the same similar length of time and get out of what you're doing, go and park, turn up, it's, it's a big it's a big ask, um, and it's and it's quite disruptive to people's lives. And one of the things we know about disruption to the um, to, to therapy in general, it's it's one of the biggest problems that we see. We we collect a lot of data about patient uh, patient information, anonymous patient information about who does well and who doesn't, which informs what we do next. And one of the biggest problems we see is where we get patterns of non-engagement, where people um, for one reason or another don't stay with the therapy, they they miss a week or, or life gets in the way. Um, and we know that after that, they don't do as well as they would have done if they kept turning up. It's a bit like going to school, isn't it? You know, if you if you if you if you had a, I don't know, a house move or a few weeks off or you were in hospital for a while, you might not do as well as you did. Um, not to say that you can't still do well. But so we know this about um, therapy and we know that digital therapy or online therapy, either way you go through and you take out the important points of a therapeutic journey. And you take them at your own pace or in, an, in another guided way, we can have a therapist monitor you week by week where you go through therapy in a more structured way. We, we know that from, from around the country, different areas, people that have done this um, do really well with it. They get better and they stay well. Um, and, and, and it's an all round good investment for the uh, for the for the healthcare providers that, that are charged to look after them, so so we've done the same. So now it's my job to um, convince the black country that that, that there's, a, there's a provision there for them, and and please do use it. Well, from tomorrow on, and every Wednesday, um, the BCB. If you can start getting that post up, Craig, while I'm talking, the BCB yeah. and the Tough Enough to Care crew, our brothers in arms and be setting up a support group every Wednesday from 7pm to 9pm um, for free, for men only, over 18, where we can come and uh, chew the fat, have a chat, and hopefully in the real world, um, where we can do a bit of talking and a bit of boxing training, then finish with a chat. Because I think just getting us guys, and if anyone would like to email, the email at the bottom, please get in touch, because obviously we have to book in with COVID at the moment. But, and as I say, we're not experts. We're not counsellors. We're not hypnotherapists. But we have got experience. So we're going to be there talking to you. And if you don't want to talk about the big stuff, just talk about the small stuff. Because let me tell you, someone who's suffered, the small stuff matters. And sometimes it's the small stuff that just pushes us over the edge. Thank you, Craig. And that's what I think what we've got to start doing is getting organisations to work together because... We can only move stronger if we stand together, like with every army. One nutter shouting about something is no good. But if we have an army of people pushing towards the same cause, which is knocking down the stigma, which is mental health, I feel we'll get further in it. And I think what you guys, Mark, are doing is brilliant. Yeah, thanks. And we do recognise that um, we're starting to... One of the things that we've done in, in lockdown We've tried to help the third sector wherever we can. And we're in active talks with what sorry, what I mean by the third sector is charities. So so people who, who don't go and get a job with the NHS, they think to themselves, I'm not happy with the, the mental health of the people around me. Not in a disgruntled way, but in a supportive way, and think there must be something I can do to help them. They start charities, they start fundraising, they start working for charities, they just start um, I don't know. Like, like in a world full of snow, they, they grab a snow shovel and they start shoveling. And it's awesome. And, and, and these people do what we train to do naturally, and they do it for no other reason that they want to. So we, we recognise that we've got to work much closer to them and, uh, and, and support them in the work that they do and, um, and recognise the benefits of which we do, obviously, recognise the benefits and, um, and signpost people to these uh, good communities and good groups. I said to you, if I can just jump, sorry, Kev. Um, I spoke to you on the phone a few weeks back, didn't I, Marcus? And, yeah. you know, we had a good old natter. And 
I think I was going through the mill at the time and I said to you that with all due respect to everyone out there doing things for mental health, and that, I'm not going to rely on someone to come up with a solution and this and the other. And I asked you, I remember asking you if, is there anything I can do to, to aid you? Um, because I see it and you, you even said this yourself that you facilitate, but it's for us. So the more we can all get involved, it's not about sitting there, you know, with your problems and that. And I know that, you know, I'm not judging anyone for doing that if that's what they're going through at the time. But I think when you can do, because sitting there moaning that someone else isn't doing it and you're not getting that help and this and the other when we're able for the most part to at least forward solutions or potential solutions, even if they get filtered out in that, I think we need to appreciate that. It's for us, you and the NHS and whatever else, just facilitate it. Yeah, yeah. I'd encourage anybody to think like that, that, that the NHS isn't somebody else's, doesn't belong to somebody else. It's yours, belongs to you. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really important. I remember going through that change myself, thinking it was somebody else's thinking, um, that, that, it, uh, that it was an entity in itself. It's not. It's it's everybody's. That's the best thing about it. So, um, but yeah, we connect it. We connect it to the community well, and 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 it can do great things. We know this. Mm. But isn't it for a lot when we first got together the first time? It's roughly twelve months ago, and how the world's changed that time. Did that, did those who want to check out Marcus's videos on all podcast platforms and on our YouTube channel. But there we were sitting in front of the boxing ring. You know, and I've just finished the training session, and look, that seems like a hundred years ago, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I remember it well. Yeah, yeah, it's and, uh, so much has sorry, so much has changed um, in the way that we live and what we do, and mental health has become an even bigger focus than it was then. Um, and it's um, yeah, it, who who could have predicted that? But it just seems so mad, doesn't it? But like we've had to roll with the punches, as everyone has. And I think those people who have already got mental illness, I mean, it's like throwing the petrol on the fire. But I think hopefully it's brought a greater knowledge to the average day Joe, who maybe thought it was farcical that people could feel like this. And hopefully, not hopefully, because it's a horrible situation, but it's brought it to light for them, whether they're yeah. now anxious or suffering anxiety or germophobia, agoraphobia. And that, that big killer, you know, which is all a mental health's best friend, is loneliness. Because loneliness is the best friend of depression, best friend of anxiety, of suicide. Because of, when you're alone, is the more a horrible feeling? I mean, you can feel alone when you're surrounded by people. But for those poor buggers at the moment who are in a flat or in a house or in a mansion and are alone, it's a very saddening place, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's... Like you say, alone has the connotations of a person on their own. One of the places I felt um, one of the loneliest is, you know, for example, on the tube at London at pre-COVID, um, you know, when you're jam-packed full of people and, and there's some social taboo that you don't even make eye contact with people. As a northerner, that's very difficult. It's, um, you know, it's uh, you want to chat with... Uh, Want to chat with somebody? I did. I did think to myself, I, sh I shouldn't. But I did one day. I wanted to plant a stooge, say twenty people away, and shout to them <laughs> like I knew them, and I'll start a conversation on the tube and see what people's reactions were. To um, I went to I went to Liverpool uh, a while ago, and and of course I don't live too far from Liverpool. I'm, I'm in Wigan, and of course you get all the jokes and the. Uh, and, and the Liverpoolians are a, a very resilient group of people, and they're, they're the first to find it funny. But um, you know, you can you can go there. You just make sure you lock your car and what have you. But I did, I did, I did, um, I did take the uh, plunge, and I went. I think we went shopping. I was in the town centre, and that's exactly what was happening. Again, it had a nice, friendly feel to it, like Dudley did. Very, very much like Dudley. But people were shouting across to other people, across the crowds, and having conversations. But instead of it being awkward, it was normal. It was like being thrown back 
50 years, not that I could be thrown back 50 years and know anything about it, but, but the way that people used to talk about communities and about belonging, it, it was a fantastic, um, it was a fantastic place. And from, and from having quite um, superficial views about the place, um, I, 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 it, it became a, a hot favourite for me to go and live there, just to be just to be there and feel that sense of, commu- of community was um, something something very real. It, it, it was brilliant. Yeah. Well, on our last show, we were on about like how a lot of us now, we're, we're frightened to let our kids out. And so when we were kids, we were allowed, I went, well, back then, you, you, the kids were playing the street in the cul-de-sac over the field, but all the parents had the right on all the kids because the kids were playing out there but what we've slowly but surely got away from is community. And if mm-hmm. the, the woman down the road, a number, whatever, five hours down, saw me kicking the ball against the fence, she had the right to tell me off, and I would respect her. And it mm-hmm. wasn't like because I thought I was going to go out and have a flogging off my old man. It was, there's Pearl from down the road. I've been caught being naughty. And we've lost that sense. And the old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. But slowly yeah. but surely... We don't even know the person who lived next door. Back in the day, if someone moved in, you go around and go, hello, my name's Kev Dillon from over there. If you need anything, knock on my door. And we've lost that sense of community. And that's when our kids are playing havoc. And then we're so frightened because we're not getting our news from the neighbour or from the post office, from the pub. We're getting it on social media. And it's Mm -hmm. every bad thing that's happened in the world. So we've lost actual community information from the people who are at the matters from. And we, we, we haven't got our respect for the coppers, the teachers, the next-door neighbours. We've lost the community. We've had the community. How will the people flourish? And that's what I think, once again, back to loneliness, this is why people are struggling because, yes, we can't knock on the door, but we can't even sh- shout over the fence or knock down on old Ethel's door and say, you're right, Ethel, if you need something, you know where I am. I'll come again tomorrow. I yeah. think if if I'm stepping there, I think that I think a lot of that is as well. Is we always blame the social media side, and that plays a huge part in antisocial um, traits in people. Now, I think a lot of it is is because of the over overpopulation, and you're moving people now. Let's say the black country. So in the black country, you've got what Wolverhampton, you've got Dudley, you've got um, Warsaw, you've got places like that. When you move someone from Warsaw to Dudley, there's there's that disconnect. And from Wolverhampton to Dudley, there's there's a slight disconnect because even in the black country, you still have your little subdivisions. And I think people feel like they don't relate. And I think it was Simon Sinek. I don't know if you've come across Simon Sinek. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Great motivational speaker. I love listening to him. And he mm-hmm. said that, I believe there was an experiment or something he done or he spoke to somebody and he said, if you're, let's say, an American and you're in France and everyone's a stranger, you only have to come across one other American, it don't matter what part of America they are. And I'm like, you're American, yeah? And you become best buddies. Now, if you were in America and you bumped into each other at the shop, you wouldn't, you wouldn't pay each other any attention and that's because we look for what's familiar. And if mm-hmm. in France, two Americans, it don't matter where from, you're American, you sort of understand the lifestyle. And I think that's what happens as well. Like from Dudley and Wolverhampton, they're, they're, similar, they're similar, but they'll have their own traits and their own what they believe to how they live. And I think that's where a lot of it is. The overall population is, is taking the community out of communities as well. Mm, yeah. And I think the... the um... From, from what Kev said, it just struck me then that we're not just, or there aren't just people who are lonely now because of COVID. They've realised how lonely they were. And, yeah. And, and the direction that we're going in, because it isn't getting any better. We're not going, we're not going, it doesn't feel like technology is taking us in the direction that we want to go in. I don't think that's, I'm not against technology or, I think it does great things, but I think it's very selective in what it does. I think we all have a tendency to post the best side of ourselves to our friends. Um, 
and, and whether that be, you know, full on social media um, uh, posts every day about things. It, it, it's it's it would be. Why would you why would you post um, the worst side of yourself? And 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 I think as human beings, it's um, it's very difficult to keep a tab on reality if we've not got a very balanced view of everything that's going on around us. And if other people, you know, we say in in the realms of CBT, which is one of the therapies that we use that seems quite reliable, one of the um, belief systems is focused towards beliefs about others. And you can imagine trying to keep a rounded view of others if all you ever see is one side of them. And, and you know, we, it's not it's not a terrible side we're seeing on social um media nobody goes out of the way i don't believe to upset anybody you know we're not we're not all posting ritual killings of things um, well i've not this week anyway i don't know if you have but it's it's the absence of everything else it, it, it doesn't it doesn't allow for that rounding off of um rounding off that ge- that genuine side that i, I don't think we're um I don't think we're vulnerable enough on social media, and and I have learned. Sorry, I, I, I have. Sorry, I'll finish that one off. I have learned something about the benefits of vulnerability. There's a real good speaker talks about it called Brenny Brown. But when I go on my travels off into different countries, I sometimes go on my motorbike with uh, a group of people, small group. But there's times I've been on my own, and and people, you can't pull up at a petrol station a service station, you know, side of the road, and you just just become a magnet for people. They want to know where have you been, where you're going, what's wrong, is there anything wrong, do you want a butty, you know. Um, the, the, they seem drawn towards you, and that's because you're vulnerable. If, if you go in, in, in the same route and, and two or three of you go, people tend to be a little bit more standoffish again, um, I suppose, because you're not going to need what they might have to offer. Uh, and you're not as vulnerable and 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 you know when spending too much time watching youtube um or the lockdown listening to what a lot of people put on about their you know everybody takes a gopro with them now and and tells you about their amazing trips all around it seems fairly consistent if you go on your own that the the benefits um are multiplied so if you go in a group sorry i couldn't tell you we interrupted them but um, no it's fine it's just like when we're saying about like technology and communities uh, two things one of my good friends he said when we lost um when we lost the pub is when mobile phones come around because you'd meet in your local pub to find out where you're going you'd meet in the prince and go we'll all meet here and at last orders we're going to stay with wolverhampton birmingham so when the mobile phone come in you'd meet them you'd miss out all eight and you go straight to stairbridge or birmingham so that's when we lost everyone like busy friday we'd all listen to a rubbish karaoke or DJ before we went out. And the other thing is the camera phone. When I was growing up, it was before camera phones there. And you would get up and you'd have a laugh. You'd dance on the tables. Because by the next day or the next weekend, you'd walk in cringing. But it was forgotten because someone else had done something silly. Nowadays, as you're doing something, someone's filmed it, it's on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. So people... Frightened of making themselves silly, it's no longer an urban legend of when you're having a good Friday afternoon. Once it's filmed, it's proof, and I think that's the day that's when we've stopped just letting ourselves be silly for the sake of silly, not attention seeking, just enjoying the night and the moment. Yeah, yeah. Do you always dance on the tables, Kev? Oh, not anymore. I'm married. (laughs) 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 Depends how drunk you get him. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but when when people when you go in to a pub and it'd be a rubbish DJ or a mm. terrible singer mm. and that was some of the best nights of my life because yeah. it, it wasn't great music but people would be dancing to Abba or Shawadi Wadi and it was just a real good laugh. But then like when the smoke Yeah. But when the smoking band come in, like yeah. Which some people pro, some people against, whatever. Mm. But like, you'd, before the smoking ban had come in, you'd have three mm. old guys 
sit, sitting at three corners of the pub watching the races or watching the deal or no deal or whatever it was, rolling up, sipping a mild, but even though they weren't necessarily talking to each other, they had company. But then when the smoking yeah. ban came in, the beer price went up. It was too cold to go and sit outside. The beer was too expensive. So where did they end up? On their own. Still drinking, yeah. still smoking, but they're taking out the community aspect of it where I'd go down there and be in old Bill's company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These are what we call unintended consequences. And this is where to things that change too fast for the right reasons, they're... Um, yeah, there are there are consequences that we don't see, and it's um, yeah, it's sad, isn't it? It's it's almost as if like I don't know if you've seen the movie The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, it's almost like that. For everything, he changes to make something right. Something alternatively goes out of out of alignment, and I think that's like you say, unintended consequences. I think when trying to heal. We're trying to heal everything without any compromise. Yeah. And, you know, and that could be, I don't want to name labels and that for fear of alienating people, but like the certain demographics that will preach this to you and preach that to you because it saves this and it saves that. And then others will preach this to you. And I think when you try and heal absolutely everything with a, a one size fits all, when there's 7 billion people in the world and, you know, we've come accustomed over the last how many centuries to to live the way we live in, you know, over the last hundred years or so for ourselves and our families. I think you, you're going to have, you, you're not going to achieve your goal. That It's unrealistic. And it's like the butterfly effect. You fix one thing and then guarantee something else goes out of alignment. Normally, like mm-hmm. a car or by any car or by happens, like, uh, I'll fix one thing and mm-hmm. someone else breaks. And I think we need to... We need to moderate it, like you were saying, Kev, about the loneliness. You know, that pub, you may think, Flip, man, that's not much of a life, is it? They, they sit in that pub all day. That may be how they're surviving their life. Yeah. Um, and like you say, when you take that medium away from them, they end up in front of the telly. They'll drink more because it, it's cheaper for a start, yeah. or they'll smoke more because they, they've not got conversation in between to fill a void where you'd be having a, a, a cigarette, you know. And I think that there's just a, we just need to moderate a little bit better on how we're fixing things. We're, we're expecting things to be fixed within the next three years, most of us. And it's, it's just unfeasible. There's gradual fixes. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. Good point. So I think if you're going to drink, you're going to drink. You know what I mean? But if you're going out to drink, you know, in a pub or a bar or wherever, it's the social aspect, isn't it? If you can buy a crate of beers for a tenner, or you can have three points for a tenner, it, it, you know, if you're drinking, you'll buy the crate. But you're going out for that experience to go and see Marcus and have a chat with Craig. And I think when the pubs were opened in between lockdowns last time, when you had to book in, you had to put your hand up for a drink, you had to wear a mask, it took that instant kind of funness away from it, where you could just walk in on your own and go, how are you, lads? I've been here. How's the wife? How's the kids? And we, we'd, we'd lost that community even more. And that's no by fault of anyone, because obviously we want to keep safe. But I think they're the things that people are missing, the actual human contact. What do you think, Marcus? It depends, Kev. Were you going out, or were you going out, out? I'm always going out, out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either going out, out, or I'm in, in, and be quiet. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It, it, it was, um, it, yeah, I, I, I agree strongly with those points. We, the, the communities... It was a watering hole, and besides alcohol, besides smoking, there was something unseen, unmeasured, and very valuable. And we uh, we looked in, in good faith to fix. You know, there's no there's no doubt is there about smoking. There's no doubt about alcohol and raining both in are a good thing. But um, it's a shame we didn't do it in a way where we could have um, we we could have preserved our. Uh, I don't know cultural heritage. You go abroad and you see, you see guys in the street um, playing. You know some of these uh, countries where technology hasn't got the grip of them, and they're in the street and they're playing board games or cards or just mm. chatting, um, and and they're not making a nuisance and they're not burdening their health service. They they seem to be. Um, well, I won't say the picture of health, 
Um, but uh, the, the thriving, not lonely, content. Um, not not in a way. I've got some uh, wonderful colleagues in older adults services, and it's really interesting having a conversation with them because if if you can get them to talk about what they do, they start to put a positive spin on getting old. You know, I said I was working with somebody in a place called Stockport once. You should never go there. It's it's like um, like Luton, yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's not as bad though. But um, and and the the woman who worked on older adults shared an office, and, and she was saying, you know, we're all too quick to start um, taking tenths off our who we are, what we do, how good we feel, what we can do. You know how prepared we are, um, and 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 that's the aging process. And without talking about, we're getting a bit smarter. We know what we like. We we learn how to have fun in a more consistent way. And and you know, in getting older is um, when you think about it, there is a, a, a there's an awful lot of benefits to getting older. Um, we, we're not we're not as daft. Um, I say that personally as a bit of a. <laughs> <laughs> I say as daft, but um, but it's but by yeah, choice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Evolution <laughs> hasn't selected me at this point, so I can I can say that. But um, yeah, and and we shouldn't we shouldn't. I, I wouldn't want to go back to being as daft as I used to be. And the older I get, hopefully, long may it continue. But society would be well placed to to receive the people who are getting older better. And have a more prominent position for them. And um, I never thought I'd be saying this, but in a, in a position to be guiding and advising and tempering the enthusiasm of of the young and the daft, shall we say? Um, and 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 I think that when we see that a lot in um, when things go wrong, you know, when when behaviour starts to go wrong, when mental health starts to go wrong. That there's a consistency of um, uh, being tempered by appropriate adults, whether they're the people down the street or a direct uh, caregiver or a teacher or a, or a, a person of public authority. There, there's in, in all the, the credible measures like the adverse childhood event scale and the resilience scales, there are, there are questions specific to that. Um, was there a person available for you to talk to if things went wrong? Was there a person to advise you about how to make your life better? You know, all these kinds of things that, that give us resilience, we, we can measure them quite accurately now with, with quite a good corollary of, of effect. Um, but we don't make getting older appealing um, in a way where there is any credibility. We, we, we're more focused on... I don't know. Footballers, don't get me wrong. I like footballers. I just, I am, I am never prepared for how easily they'll jump on the floor and roll around like they've just been shot with a fifty cal. And as quick as they go down, they're up running around um, like it, like it never happened. And and we all just cheer. I just think, wow. And um, and these are the people that children are focusing on for resilience. And, and for guidance and, and I just think while there's it could definitely be worse it could be a lot better we've got you know who was it um, Captain Tom you know yeah. it, it, it took a pandemic for us to to even know some very superficial things about him which medal he got and how far he walked probably probably the least relevant things you could ever know about that man the least relevant Things anybody could, anyone could put a medal on the chest. Anyone can walk up and down the gap. Not at that age, but I used to be able to do pre-pandemic. But um, but still, to to listen to his story, to sit down with him, have a cup of tea with him. Wow, that would have been difficult. I don't think there's a big price on that now. And 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 again, the media, as 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 much as they try and um, do the best with things like that, people want the stories fast and dirty they, they they don't want a two-hour documentary on um captain tom and the time he lost his wallet but me and you would sit down and we'd be amazed um 
and I think we've we've got to we've got to I I like to use a phrase called raising the perceived value of things that are already here, and 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 obviously tonight try to raise the perceived value of NHS talking therapies, the 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 provision that we've got to see people digitally, and the the people in society raise the perceived value of of the people that are already there. Um, in a way, it sounds odd saying it, doesn't it? But the perceived value of old people. How do you do that? But How once again, that? once again, when we had the pub, you'd be in there, and it would be old Bill. You know, old Bill. He was he was a bugger back in his day. Or go and have a word with old Roy because Roy's lost his partner, and you knew mm-hmm. them because they were your dad's mates, your granddad's mates, your big brother's mates, and you'd look up to the elders. And if anything happened to the elders, the youngsters would look after them. So once again, yeah. it was that community spirit. Mm-hmm. You watch the um, My Steps on his offer. Uh, he's just uh, decorated his room and wanted to get DVDs for his um, <laughs> PlayStation. And, and it's all about the Sopranos and the yeah. and the Italian um, influence mm. of <laughs> culture in um, you know the trashy one. They're not the cut. Not the not the very you know, authentic one, but but these films where you you see the effect on a community where the head of the family, okay, they go a bit far and they start taking on cartels and nobody wants to see that. But the same, the structure is 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 a real. There's a real authenticity and appeal to the structure, and I think it's the structure that does appeal. I think I think the the guns and the violence is the glitter that that really we could do without. But the and we should do without in the right society. But but the the um, the uh, collective wisdom, the the you know not using a sledgehammer to crack an egg, the the considered approach, becoming better at thinking your way through things rather than attacking it with gusto, is one of the great things about a collective. Certainly within young males and the dynamic with older males. Maybe it's just because I've had a big day recently. I don't know. But I think that's the beauty of like gyms and stuff like that because you have the young boys in there or the, the buggers on the street and then you put them aside and go, you haven't got to be vile to be hard. You haven't got to lose your manners to be tough. And you walk them around saying, well, look here, he's got a story to tell. And we're trying to give that same pub experience without the fun of getting drunk. But like talking to your elders and picking their brains going, you want to know what it's really like being in the gang? Talk to him. You want to really know what it's like going to prison? Talk to him. Do you want to really, and then you have all these? Do you want to know how it feels like to be stabbed? Do you know what it feels like to lose someone to being stabbed? And if we lose the clubs or the dojos or whatever they're called, then we're losing those those role models of the street. And that's what I, I fear about this pandemic. Once it's all over, we'll have a group of kids who are computers, 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 and they're too frightened to go outside and they're pulling on weight. And then you've got the street kids. And if they haven't got the coach or the sensei to look up to, who do they look up to? The local drug dealer, the local gangster. And once you're in that world, it's very hard to come out of it. And that's what we're doing every day and every week, saying, look, learn from the mistakes. And don't get me wrong, the best way of learning the mistakes is by doing it yourself. However, if you've got your big brother, your father figure saying, I love you too much to let you get down that path. You might then think, I'll listen to him because he's got my best interest at heart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been watching um, over uh, in lockdown. Again, you, you you try and get, being a northerner, you try and get your money's worth out of Netflix, don't you, and get it all watched. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, um, and I don't know, the algorithm has learned that I'm fascinated with human behaviour and, and human um, uh, almost tragedy, if you like. And I've been watching the, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's its about people on death row and how they got there. It's quite interesting about how they, they, they tell their story, then the victim tells their story, then the people who gathered the evidence tell their story, and sometimes the prosecutor will tell the story of the family and the friends. And one one there are a few things that I've noticed are absolutely consistent with people on death row. Number one was, I wasn't mega shocked, but I was surprised that there wasn't one instance where it wasn't present. That was cannabis. That was the first one. 
because you'll hear people bleat on about it doesn't make you aggressive, it doesn't make you this, it's all right, it's good for you. It's, well, that they've all done it. The, the number two was um, a male, uh, a male disciplinarian or authority figure that was effective, um, and and then the community was sometimes there, but sometimes it was swayed. And it was like, what a tragedy. What an absolute tragedy. And when we know that, you know, we're very quick to be told that, um, well, it's just them. There'll just be this many people in the community who are bad. Uh, they're going to do something bad. It's probably going to be murder. And then they'll get the death sentence. And then they slide off like that shelf at McDonald's and, whoop, and they're gone in the bin. And that's it. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, supposing it's not, supposing it's not them, supposing it's society, and it will always bring about, you know, we know that um, elephants in uh, released in Africa without a, a, an age, an age appropriate bull will go around and do a tyrannical mess with animals that they would never, never normally get involved with. And human beings are, are the most violent animal that's ever walked the planet. And then we... We see the effect, but I think what we've got to learn quickly is acknowledge that we have a propensity to be violent, acknowledge that it's not somebody else who does it, that we never could, that under the right conditions we would and we could, and that it's in everybody's interest to make sure that we learn a lot from the conditions that people become uh, violent to the point where they start making real big mistakes, which most of them regret. Most of them will say, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Um, uh, but it, it's too late, isn't it? Um, and, and I think we, we've got, we need, we need feedback mechanisms. We do. Yeah. Well, what, you're saying about, what you're saying about that as well, I thought was interesting because you're talking to the family, who's, the person who's done it, the person who is affected by it, and and one of our yeah. um, people who are in partnership with now Ripple, they're doing brilliant things. She lost her brother to suicide. Uh, and she, it, it's a site because you can find out, as horrific as it sounds, ways to find out how to complete suicide. So she's got mm. this organization called Ripple where, as you look at that site, uh, a bulletin or a helpline or something will, will come up, hopefully, to point you in the right direction. And she called it Ripple because it's, I think, for every one person who completes suicide, it affects 146 different people within that person's <clears throat> life who's completed suicide. And that's like, that. it's not that one person who's gone. It's the mom, the brother. And that's the same with crime, isn't it? If yeah. you kill me now, it affects you and it's obviously affected me. But it's your family. It's my family. It's Craig. It's Lee. It's my lion's family. So it's never just that two people it's affected. It's the ripples of the pond that it affects to everyone. Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't contest the numbers, but that's 146 now mm. in this in this line of the family tree. That family tree goes on and on and on and on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a tragedy in, from all angles, every single angle you can think of it. Um, Another statistic I heard the other day. Um, Every one person who dies of knife crime in this country, which is one too many, four people complete suicide on that one person being stabbed. And that, that's terrible, isn't it? I mean, on all counts, one person should never die of knife crime because, as we just said, the person who stabs him, the person who gets stabbed. But then four people, that one person complete suicide. Really? Like, honestly, yeah. Uh, that's that oh. from Tough Enough to Care the other day who worked with suicide in the community and they're our brothers and that's who we're doing it. How terrible is it? And you know, and I think this is something with people like yourselves, hopefully, what we're doing. This is a pandemic of suicide that hopefully we can put together. It's like poverty, isn't it? Poverty is a man made condition. So if we yeah, can absolutely. put food on plates, hopefully we can have those difficult conversations, you know, and bring, the, bring this closer to an end. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Giving people a sense of purpose. That's a frightening statistic, uh, that Kev. I didn't didn't know that. And as you say, you like, find yourself it's self worth. That's another big thing, isn't it? Mm. That, you know, God. I wasn't worth saving. And how many phone calls I have, and I go, "Blooming it, Craig, what did you phone me?" Because I didn't want to bother you. I go, "Craig, I'd rather you bother me having my dinner with my girls than to bother me by having the phone call saying I've got to attend your funeral next week." 
Mm. So we've got to have a bit of self-worth and realise you are worth it. You are worth it. You are loved. And mm. I think that's what we've got to really sing home to people. No matter what you've done, you can be saved. No matter what problem it is, there is answers around it. And the good thing about right. rock bottom is it's a good foundation to build off. Mm. Yeah. Well, guys, Definitely. do you mind if I just jump in there? There's been there's been some comments I've been trying to time. I've been trying to time it in to to um mention them. A couple have just said hello. I'm gonna probably butcher some names. Lucas Salcone, evening chaps, and he said, I agree the BCB are proper blokes, black country blokes are proper blokes. Uh Paul Boggy, evening troops. Paul Highfield says well done, gents. Raising awareness for mental health issues is definite in need. Keep up the great work. Um, Stephen Anzel's asked a question. I'm going to come back to that. I'm just going to say a couple of other comments and then come back to the question for you, Marcus, if that's okay. Mm. Um, Gemma Hawksworth, thank you to everyone that's messaging as well, by the way. Say, so, I agree with that. One size fits all is hopeless when thinking about mental health or stuff like that, which is true. Um, she said the pub has a purpose and it's been replaced by the supermarket, which again is true. Mm. Um, she said pubs are sometimes violent. Where is that playing out now they're closed? And I think mm. that's a fair point. Um, Steve Anzel said, Kev, I think Kev is missing the pub. It would fix all. <laughs> all if I could only have one drink. Um, so that's them done. I'm going to get to, again, thank you for people who have messaged in. Stephen Anzel has put, Hi all, hope you're all well. Marcus, strange question, but just wondering if this is something that happens to others. I struggle at the second stage of asking for help. So I talk to my GP and say I'm not well, but because I've done that, it takes a bit a bit off me. And by the time I talk to a professional, I feel I'm wasting their time and not showing what I go through. Is this normal? Yeah, yeah. I'll bite in your hand off with that question. Not only is that really normal, uh, there are a group of people, and and in in talking therapies, one thing we do now, we we say take a batch of a hundred people, and we know of that hundred, so many will come through, so many will succeed, so many won't turn up, so many will DNA, and we're we're always basing what we do next on that hundred people, and we've got a group of people, and they're exactly. Um, uh, uh, they do exactly that and they seem to we don't know anything about them there was a brilliant mathematician and during the war this was when the old i'm going i'm not going that far off topics not for a northern anyway but there was um <laughs> the, the the they discovered kevlar panels uh, or an equivalent of um I think, I think they were actually lead i might have made it up as kevlar in me in my head but anyway the, i'll the take the credit that, yeah <laughs> the, the planes that came back um, with bullet holes in them. They had so many panels that you could put in each plane. And, uh, and of course, the aircraft technicians went, great, wherever you see bullet holes, lads, put a panel. Let's stop the bullets coming in. Didn't seem to make a lot of difference. Then a mathematician got hold of it, and he said, no, don't put the Kevlar panels where the bullet holes are. Put them where they're not. And it's a brilliant piece of the way that we see statistics, maths, and um, and and the the result of it, the the application of uh, statistics. Because if you think about it, the planes that never came back got a hole through the bit yeah. that the planes that did come back didn't have. So mm. in, in so there was never any holes around the engine or where the pilot sits, put them there. Wherever there isn't a hole, put the Kevlar panel. Now, the reason I've gone off on that ridiculous tangent is that we need to do that with the people that do exactly what this lad says. They go to the GP, they want to engage with services, and, and from that point, they either don't go any further than seeing the GP and stepping forward, or they come into the services and and appear to get something from registering with us, but then never complete after that. They want to stay in. So if we send them a letter and say, you missed your appointment, you need to come to your appointment, or we're going to just dis don't discharge me, I want to come. But then they don't come. 
and, and we don't believe they're messing us about. We're not. That we we know that they're going through a difficult time and they're going through the turmoil. Uh, but we are currently looking at ways of getting in touch with them to say, "What is it? What what what? How how do we bridge this gap?" We, we're very keen to talk to this group of people. Um, so we, yes, you are. Uh, you are not on your own. It is something we know exists. We don't know enough about it to fix it, but we're keen to learn. Um, I think two points on that, though, is it's like sometimes you, you've got a course of penicillin, and before you finish taking the penicillin, you go, I feel better now, so why finish it? Mm-hmm. And then the infection comes back. Yeah. Or sometimes when you go to the doctors and your belly's hurting, oh, God, it hurts. And the day of your appointment, seeing your GP, you go, I better don't feel so bad now. I won't go. I'll, I'll give someone else my space. It's like that sometimes, isn't it? It is. It we, is. Yeah. We often seek the we often seek the medicine or the treatment when it's at its worst, and then when it's at its best, you think, well, there's no point. There's no point in. I, th- I think you consider it not. I don't think you consider it wasting their time or pointless. I think you consider it. Why bother going to spend half hour up there? when I could be on the game or I could be scrolling Facebook or I could be doing that. And I think that's where it is. We, we still sort of prioritise towards our own. If we're in mega pain, we'll prioritise giving treatment. If that pain has subsided, we'll prioritise the pastimes of which we were we were causing. And I think, I mean, I'm quite similar to Stephen Ansel in the, in the fact that I spoke to you about this before, uh, Marcus, and it's not about, it's not about bringing the, the, the GPs down and the NHSs down and stuff like that. But I struggled when I went to the, the doctors, they'd send me off with a, a treatment or, a, you know, try this for the next month and then come back. And then when I went back, it was a different GP because they'd rotated and then I had to start again and start again. And the, it was sort of, there was no recourse because, mm. I mean, back when, when we were kids, we had one doctor. Uh, his name yeah. was Dr. Havis, we had. And he'd come to our house and he'd follow us up and he'd just hand over his kids. And there's no recourse now. It seems like every time you go to a doctor, especially the doctors we, we're at, you you see a different person than a different person. And it's like you're always starting your journey again. And yeah. you become frustrated then because you, you're sort of, instead of like getting the out with that doctor and then that hasn't worked, so you keep climbing and climbing, you're constantly starting from negative five or whatever it is. And again, it's not about bringing... GPs down and criticising them. It's about saying that I feel Stephen Angel's frustration in the fact that I have something similar, only it's when I do come and say there's no recourse. In, in your case, Craig, I'd say, yeah, and it is about good record keeping and, and timely record keeping and making sure our communications, because we're on different computer systems, are, are, are kept up to date with mm. GPs and we don't leave a gap wherever we can find one. I think Steve's is a little bit more difficult. There's a few things he said and one is that he feels like he's wasting our time. And we hear a lot from people that and we, too often uh, somebody else could have that appointment. Um, yeah. I'm not that bad, you know. And yeah. I think I think sometimes people come and tell the story and they – I don't know. And I'm certainly not talking for Stephen now. I'm starting to talk about the, the numbers that we're aware of. But um, they they don't feel worthy. Yeah, self-worth. Yeah, and and the and when they're around compassion, because because our our practitioners are dead good. That not only are they skilled, they they are they, they're drawn. Obviously, they they're drawn to the. Um, we we don't pick up the odd, uh, you know, person who wanted to be an assassin with MI five. We we there's a particular type of person that we that that finds their way up the chain to to work with us and. And they want to do. They're, they're compassionate people. They're, you know, they're personable. They're compassionate, and they're, uh, they, they like helping people. And sometimes it's difficult to be around people like that if you don't feel that you're worth it. And and uh, it, it's a real complicated area. And, and but again, I could talk to you all night about it. It's I, I can't believe Stevens hit, hit that nail on the head for us. But um, we we do. We definitely we, we were talking about it. Not only uh, some of the managers from the uh, units, we had a meeting and we were saying, shall we start writing to people who, who who've, who've come but then disengaged? Very often, I don't know where Stephen is. We we never get to see him, so we we're, we're dealing with the 
we, we're trying to put Kevlar panels, but we've got no planes coming back. Um, and and we we really need to we really need to fix it. We do we do. What would you say, Marcus? Is if like just so as people can have some food for thought or something tangible to at least think about taking away from this is what would you recommend for people, not just people suffering, but people that may watch this that are not suffering, but know people are suffering. What steps could they actively take to help the NHS help us? Because again, you, you, you haven't got the infrastructure for the, as yet to cope with the influx of cases that you have come in and you know people not turning up this side or that so what could people do to help you guys and take the initiative well that's, that's a cracking question it's um the, the the first thing is it's just knowing about us um i i got a i got a text message from a close relative saying that they'd um their partner in a different part of the country their partner had um contracted covid from a um a colleague and they then look after um their own elderly parents they'd gone to um you know do the washing feed them um clean up but they were they were they were staying in different parts of the house but this person had gone in to to carry on um, helping the parents, and before they knew it, they'd contracted and transmitted COVID. They died and had the funeral and couldn't go, and they were absolutely um, traumatized to the point where they were just staring at the wall. A, an otherwise normally healthy person, and I just happened to text this person and say, "How are you getting on?" Um, or they text me uh, and they were like, wow, you, you wouldn't believe the change in my partner. Um, and in confidence, um, this, this and this has happened and that's happened. What I've just explained to you. And and, and I was like, right. Um, and, I, and I quickly went on the internet and I found their local IAPT unit and I, and I got the link, copied and pasted it. And I was like, contact these people, tell them what's happened. And... And I got a text message back a week later. I was like, wow, how did you know about them? And, and I was like, yeah, just because they don't know what I do for a job. And I, I said, yeah, yeah, I heard about it. And I just had a quick Google. Now, th these are my relatives. They don't know about the service. And, and, and they, they had no idea these services existed. Um, and what I would say is where we'd normally wait and uh, wait for things to get a bit worse, like going sitting in a doctor's waiting room. You, you know, you don't want to go. If you go with something trivial, you'll you'll come out with something serious. If it wasn't, um, that's not the same with the early, the first strike mental health services like I at. Um, it's a bit like, it's a bit like you know, if you get a light up on your dashboard on your car, um, it's a bit like plugging the cord reader in. What we're very good now is uh, having half an hour, an hour's chat with somebody on the phone. We we send them some um, forms to fill in or links to the forms. They go on and they click the questions. And they do a bit of a, an assessment and click how many times has this happened? How many times has that happened? What's this like in a week? What's that like in a week? Does this best describe you? And they go through these questions. We then have a chat with them. And we then say, listen, looks like you are you've got this or you're getting worse with that or yeah you're doing all right um do some more of this do less of that um maybe go on our silver cloud course for this managing your money managing your mood managing your anxieties um difficulty with phobias um and, and we've got a whole range of things that people can go on from having a Going onto the internet, of course, having a very confidential assessment, a very confidential chat with somebody over the phone, they were never going to meet again, um, and then being told, yeah, this is a problem. No, it's normal. This is what we can offer you. This is what we can offer you because of COVID. We've got, we're, we're doing a lot of work remotely for people who've got um, a digital option, you know, like we're using now, or a laptop, or a, or a, a phone or um or what do you call it, like an ipad um and, 
Yeah, so tablet, yeah. And we can, um, funny it's called a tablet, isn't it? You wouldn't want to swallow one, would you? Um, <laughs> not without water, anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we so we've we've got a lot of it, it's as even though our, each interaction with each person can be very personal, it's an impersonal service, and it's made that way so that people don't have to feel like they're going waiting a doctor's surgery. They're not wasting our time. And the best way you can help the service, cracking question, Craig, if you have an appointment with it, go to it. Go to that and appointment. Hey, what, what's it called again, Marcus? Because it's just nation, nationwide, isn't it? IAT, Improved Access to, uh, to Psychological Therapies. Um, and so it's your local service in, in the Briley area is Dudley Talking Therapies. If you're a bit further north, is Walsall Talking Therapies. If you support the wrong football club, it's Wolverhampton um, <laughs> Healthy Minds. Hey, you can't <laughs> say that. that we're going to the I'm joking. The, the Wolf Foundation. You should be dancing <laughs> on a table somewhere. Um, and, there's, and there's Sandwell Healthy Minds as well, to, a bit close to the M6. So that you've got all those different... Um, where, if you just go on and Google it, it will tell you your local one. And if you, if you get the wrong one, they'll point you to the other one. So same going south into Worcester, um, going into um, into Birmingham, and of course going further into Wales. So that's the you know Telford and what have you. So there's there's uh, every region has got them. Um, so at the earliest opportunity, I would say just get in touch with them, and and go through the checkup, go through the assessment. It's just a phone call and some forms you you have a look at on the internet. This is for people who are just starting to feel unwell. Unfortunately, it's not for people who've been in and out of secondary care or who've got a long-standing problem that, that um, the NHS are aware of. These are for people who are starting to feel unwell that if they carry on, could put pressure on secondary care without even knowing it um, as they start to get well and compress into the queues for, for more in-depth treatment. So... so um, yeah, if it, in answer to your question, if you know somebody, um, do do as I did if you can. Google their local area and go, hey, have a chat with them. Google IAP or Talking Therapies in that region. Copy the link, text it to them and say, have a chat with them. But if you make an appointment, go to it. This idea, and Stephen's idea, is that that, that appointment could be better served for somebody else. I won't bore you with the mechanics and the finances of the NHS, but NHS through NHS England and through the local commissioners decide it's a bit of a gamble where we put funds and we have to guess who's going to need it the most and, and where it goes. They, um, they, in best intentions, put a provision where they think people are going to most need it. So when we put appointments on for patients, we've already paid for them in order to make sure that the money next year goes in the right place. The people that turn up and furnish those appointments are the only ones that get paid for. Listen, this isn't about money, but if you do, uh, if you do like the NHS, if you do um, think uh, fondly of the NHS, that the best thing you can do, if you ever make an appointment in any area of it is go to that appointment it's lovely to think that if you leave it, somebody else can take it. Unfortunately, we're we're not that organised to replace a, an appointment at short notice that quick with someone who needs it. Sometimes we are. We've got some really good waiting list strategies in place, but we're all always depending on that next person not thinking the same thing and the one after that. We had a situation in Dudley where we had some we had some long waits two years ago. And we had, for every appointment, we had four people on standby waiting to take that appointment if the person didn't take it. And very often we'd get down to the fourth person. NHS England came and said, what a great job we'd done for that. But but I think the uh, while that lasted and we got through the waitlist, it, it was very good. It was an exciting piece of work. We took, we took, um, we looked at the science from, uh, uh, motor insurers tires on the drive british gas sky tv about about how they get through appointments and waitlist quickly 
we, we are we are very interested in making sure we put our resource where we think it should be. But the best thing we could do it, to stop all that happening is raise the perceived value of the NHS in the area and, and, and really convince people that it is valuable. Uh, you're not wasting our time. You're not wasting your time. If a health professional's made the appointment for you, you probably, it, it, you, you can bet you need to go. And even if it turns out that you're actually well and, and you don't need the service, it, it's, it's been, there's been a positive impact. We've gathered some data. We've learned about you. It's a plane that's come back. We know where not to put the Kevlar panels. So it's, we're learning about you. You're almost protecting the next five people that come through. Marcus, I'll shut up. I'm going on myself. No, because, no, no. no. I'm just going to say one thing uh, because we're going to have to finish now. Um, mm. But why I'm, Craig, can you put that poster back up, please? I'll just give a talk about that. But just what Marcus was saying, as much as you value the NHS, you've got to value yourself because they work hand in hand. The NHS needs you. But we need the NHS. So take, you know, you're worth it. That appointment, go and see it. And God willing, you will. Please take that appointment. Now, Steve Hansel and anyone else out there, this is our poster for tomorrow. If anyone would like to email it, Craig, could you read out, read out the email for anyone on Spotify? Or oh, I've got a oh, crazy eyesight, bro. I'll try. Um, oh, you're going to have to view me closer now. New support group starting Wednesday the 10th of February. Lions Boxing Club, Bull Street, Broilio, DY5, 3RA. So that'll be Wednesday, 7pm till 8pm. Contact, I've already got even closer, yeah. Contact us for more info and to show your um, to show your interest because obviously we, due to the COVID restrictions, we're limited to how many people we can have there. Um, so you, it is important that if you're, you're interested, you register the interest. And you do that by emailing, and I hope I get this right, help at toughenoughtocare.help, I believe that is. And there is a text number, but I'll be honest, my eyes can't see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you drop in the comments, if someone's interested and, and they drop in the comments of this video, then we can reply to them with the, the necessary um, contact information, can't we? And then we're back here on Thursday, just chewing the fat, us guys. Hopefully we've got good things to say about tomorrow and just having a chinwag. And that's all the group's going to be tomorrow, having a chinwag, getting out the house, self-distancing, temperature going, hand sanitised, but just getting away and chewing the fat. So before uh, before, uh, we say goodbye, Marcus, I always do this to you. You've got a quote or saying that helps you get through with a life for this pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah, I should see this coming, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> no, I um, uh, yeah. Oh, top of my head. Um, no, I just, um, the, 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 uh, the black country is a, is a great place. Look after each other. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's what you do well. Let's keep doing it. Thank you ever so much for coming on, bro. So mm. until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Try a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.